I was just thinking, what an odd proposition this is. Uh, and how I'm just immensely, immensely, and continuously uh, humbled at the idea uh, that God is working individually and corporately uh, in our midst, that he's drawing all people unto himself, and that promise doesn't stop when we say yes to Jesus. Like we're in a uh, favorite book of all time, I've told you guys this, is uh, Eugene Peterson's A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And we are all in a continuous journey towards godliness. And for the rest of our lives, that will be, uh, that will be us, is, is growing in godliness. And so the fact that uh, each of you are in, in that journey and on that journey, and that uh, in no uncertain terms, uh, you've said, hey, we, we trust you to, to journey with us. That's a really humbling thing. It's a really humbling thing to, to then say, okay, God, we've got all these individuals who, regardless of on the spectrum of spirituality, uh, where you're at, whether you are uh, trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out and going, are the claims of Jesus true and can he be trusted? Or you're a lifelong dedicated follower of Jesus. Uh, to, to then hold all of those in wait and say that God is wanting to do something corporately among us and then trying to synthesize those things and go, okay, God, what is it that corporately you're wanting to do among us it is a task that is just... Uh, I can't do it on my own, just wholly dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's humbling. It's humbling to journey with you guys and be asked to do so. And so as I uh, spent some time praying about, okay, God, there's nothing special about January 1st, 2023, uh, but it is in some sense like a turning a page and and, uh, looking to the next year. Um, Again, I don't think calendars. You can make an argument for the seven-day week, I guess, but I don't think calendars are from God, per se. But at the same time, uh, they're a redemptive tool that we can use to track time and look back on God's faithfulness. And so there's nothing special about 2023. In the same sense that there's nothing special about 2022, 2021, go back however far you want. But there is then also the reality that God is wanting to meet us here. And so we can use these kind of man-made structures and go, today's the start of something new to go, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to do in our midst? Where have we been and where are you wanting to take us? And I told, uh, I told the leadership team this at our December meeting, um, but I, I really got thinking as I prayed through, uh, what is it that we can focus on? How are you wanting to grow us collectively together? It got me thinking about uh, the birth of Miles Chapel. And uh, only because neither of our births with our children were terribly eventful. Um, but Miles was at least the exciting one. Uh, Hudson was like middle of the night, and then we go, and then he's born. And like, yeah, uh, Miles, there's a little bit more drama. So let me set the stage for you. Again, drama. <laughs> let me set the stage for you. Uh, July 25th, 2019. Uh, we uh, have a day with Hudson. I, I work that day, I believe, and um, we're hanging out with him. Mid-afternoon, Amanda starts to feel some, some pains coming on. 
and slow at first, as anyone who's ever given birth can attest to, slow at first, uh, but then it begins to increase, and so we, we kind of go, okay, this is it. His, uh, that was actually, I think that was his due date. Both of our boys were born the day after their due dates, and so that was his due date, and we go, this, this is it, I guess. Dr. Hatcher was pretty spot on again. And uh, so we begin to do all of our contingency plans, and we call up Marla and Gary, my mom and dad, and we say, hey, can, can Hudson come spend the night with you guys? And they're like, oh, of course. So Hudson goes down to mom and dad's, and he has a movie night with Uncle Brian. They watch Toy Story 2. We talk about it to this day because it was a, Uncle Brian came over, and it was fun. Um, and so we go to bed fully expecting that uh, we're going to wake up in the middle of the night, just like we did with Hudson, and we're going to be on our way to the hospital, which is four or five minutes from our house. So we go to bed early in expectation of this, uh, and Amanda still is just this dull, aching pain. We go to bed, and then we wake up at 7 a.m. after a full night of sleep, for me, at least. Uh, and I go, how'd you sleep, Amanda? She says, well, I'm here. Uh, and again, all through the evening, just this, this, this constant pain, but not enough to birth a child yet. And uh, so we wake up and we say, well, let's get some breakfast. And so we go to Big G's, the local diner. Now, Big G's is a uh, local Greasy Spoon in Columbia City, and it is themed around Columbia City High School athletics. Uh, and, and so Amanda, it's not her place, but she's like, I want like a real filling meal because if we go to the hospital after this, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to eat is. And so we go, we fill up on biscuits and gravy, we play a game over breakfast, and it is wonderful. But again, throughout this whole process, this slow, aching pain. So we uh, go home, just bumming around a little bit, hanging out with our old dog, Molly. And uh, midway through the day, things start to increase a little bit. And she goes, Jordan, this is, this is it. And uh, so we, we pack everything up, we grab it, we go to the hospital. And uh, we go up there, and they, uh, they do all the checks and everything. They put the monitors on her, and they go, yeah, you're definitely in active labor right now. And... Uh, you're not far enough along. Like, you can stay if you want, but if we do step, we, we had done step A by showing up. If we do step B and C, you're trapped here. Uh, you're not far enough. Like, it's going to be a little while before baby comes, and so maybe you want to go home and be in your own space and watch TV on your own TV and uh, sit on your own couch and do all of that stuff. He's like, yes, get me out of here. So we go home, take a nap in expectation that we're not going to get much sleep, and then we wake up, and again, still constant, dull, aching pain of, of labor. Uh, we take a nap, we wake up, and still nothing except the pain. And so uh, we say, at this point, we're really missing Hudson. And mom says, hey, I ordered a big old bucket of KFC. We've got fresh sweet corn from local farmer Pat Murphy. Come down. Let's eat. Uh, we'll hang out together. And, and at this point, we were beginning to have the conversation of like, are we going to just take Hudson home? Because nothing's happening. Um, and, and so uh, we get down there to dinner. We start to eat. Hudson loves telling this part of the story because we're hanging out with my family, eating, and, and it goes from zero to 60 fast. And the pain increases, and it begins to become the pain where it's just not like, oh, that, that hurts. It begins to be the, like, the heart-stopping, like, 
rip Jordan Chapel's hand off while she's squeezing it pain. And uh, I, I, I've never wanted to be a sitcom dad. But I was, so please don't paint me from this story in that light. But I was trying to finish my dinner because I also didn't know the next time I was going to eat. And so I'm eating, and she's like, Jordan, we have to go. And I'm like, You've been, we've been saying that for two days now. And she's like, no, this is it. And I'm like, okay, so I'm scarfing it down. That's the part that Hudson loves to tell, is that I, I ate my chicken and corn uh, before Miles could be born. Um, so we eat the dinner, and she, it's just like the, the gut-wrenching pain at this point. We zip over to the hospital. My parents live uh, five, ten minutes outside of Columbia City, and they're on a country road, and the country road is very bumpy. And every, I, for some reason, you can go the, the normal way into town that's far less scenic, and it's on a state road, or you can go the back way. And uh, it'd probably be six of one, half dozen the other, but my brain told me the back way would be faster, which meant bumpier. And so she's sitting in the front seat in excruciating pain while I'm going over all of these bumps. And she, again, grabbed my arm, she's like, slow down. And I said, you just told me three seconds to go to speed up so we can get there. So you need to pick which one that you want me to do, either slow down or speed up. She's like, do, do both of them. Uh, because I am in excruciating pain. So she's, she's in pain. And, uh, and we get to the hospital. And uh, again, she had progressed along so far. There's, uh, there's certain milestones in labor that's like, okay, you have, um, you have reached however many centimeters dilated, all this stuff where you're beyond, you're beyond certain medical interventions for pain. You're just going to have to tough it out. And we had waited so long that uh, there was a couple options that you're like, you can't get an epidural, you can't, you're too far along. Um, and so, again, more pain more pain. But then, I think from the time we showed up to the hospital, less than an hour later, we're holding, we didn't know what he was, we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl, and, uh, and so we, we were holding little uh, Miles in our arms, snuggling him. And at that point, yeah, there was a lot of pain involved for her, um, but at that point, the pain's not something that's on her mind. The thing that's on her mind is the, the new life that is being experienced, that she's getting to hold, she's getting to love. And as I shared with the leadership team, as I look back and I hear stories of the past couple of years, the thing that I hear time and time again is pain. I hear a lot of hurt I hear a lot of confusion. I hear a lot of why in the world did we have to walk through this? I don't know the answer to that. And, and over the coming weeks, my goal is not to, to lay out an answer to that. Because we have to walk through a lot of really painful things in our lives. They're hard. But as I look at it, could it be... Could it be that the pain of the last couple of years and, and the stretching and the growing and the molding and the shaping and the refining that connection has had to go through could have been very much, in fact, the labor pains of a new birth? 
Could it be that, that the hard that was experienced was not easy? I'm not trying to mitigate it for even a single second. But could it be that those were labor pains for the birth of a new work of God? That what we saw and experienced and what we walked through was in fact God preparing us to take on a new work. And yes, it was hard. And yes, it hurt. But on the other side, we're going to be able to look back and go, yeah, it was painful, but look what God did. Look what God did. Following Jesus, I've said this my whole life, following Jesus is uh, not complicated. It's not necessarily, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. Trust and obey. Do what he says. Follow him. And I think we can say something similar for pain. The pain is rarely fun. It is rarely fun. But God never wastes it. It is never wasted. And Paul talks about this in his second letter to the church in Corinth. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Meaning, yes, things, things can very easily stink right now. They can be hard. They can be painful. But what is happening inside of you is stretching you and molding you and growing you for something eternal and filled with glory that can't even be compared to what you walked through before. They're doing something. The light and momentary troubles. And I know that can seem insulting. You can look at Paul in, in that moment and go, light, Paul? What do you... You don't know what we've walked through. You don't know what I've walked through. And I think we, at this point, we can look at the law of opposites to go, if, if at some point in your life you have been able to feel a measure of pain that is, is this much, that is carving out inside of us a reservoir for glory and goodness, God's grace and mercy, that could be filled up beyond measure. Pain's rarely fun, but it's never wasted. And so if we are true, if we're trusting in God for a new birth, if we're trusting that God is not going to waste that pain, if we're trusting that God is, is out of this body birthing a new work, how do we poise ourselves for uh, that sort of redemptive act? How do we say, uh, Jesus, we want to get on board with what you're doing? And I think, um, I was hesitant to do this because I think we're going to spend some significant time in Acts in the coming year. Um, but I think the, the early church in Acts gives us a really good glimpse of, uh, of what it looks like to poise ourselves for this. Um, and so we're on the brink of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. That hasn't happened yet. And uh, Jesus has already gone, uh, ascended back up into heaven, and he sent the people on mission. And so what we're left with is a body of Jesus followers who are probably a little bit confused because they might have misunderstood Jesus' teachings um, of like, uh, so he's gone now? and We don't have, like he was kind of our rabbi, he was our teacher, we were following him, now what do we do? And they were trying to make sense of all of it. And in this context of trying to make sense of all of it, uh, here's 
what we see them doing. Acts 1, uh, verse 14. It says, they all joined together constantly, constantly, constantly in prayer, along with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They joined together constantly in prayer, meaning all the time, without ceasing, never stopping, in prayer. They were communing with God. They were engaging in a dialogue, a conversation, meaning they were talking to God and they were, they were listening to God. They were probably doing it individually. They were doing it corporately. They met together and they, they devoted themselves constantly to prayer. And here's what I'm convinced of. Because I don't think they had on their brains what the global church has become today. I, I can't believe that that's what was going on in their minds. That there's going to be like, this is going to spread everywhere, and it's going to be huge, and there's going to be congregations that meet in Danville, Illinois, and even though Illinois is not even a state yet, uh, because the United States isn't even a country yet, uh, and there's going to, there's going to be uh, a pastor there named Jordan Chapel. Like, this is not on their minds. So surely the, the, the prayer wasn't centered around, Lord, increase our gathering. There's 120 of us or so, and we just we want to make this kind of a big deal. So please add more people to our number. I, I just can't believe, knowing that they had just... Uh, I'm going to say lost because he had ascended back up into heaven. They'd lost their teacher. They'd lost the one they were following. Uh, and they, again, trying to make sense of all of this, going, what does it look like to follow Jesus when he's no longer physically present with us? I have to believe that their prayer probably sounded a little bit more like, Lord, we are dead meat without you. We believe that what you said is true. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We believe that you raised your, that you were raised from the dead. We believe that your work is sufficient. It's enough for us, but we don't know what to do. And so we're just trusting wholly and completely on you. And what was the result of that yielded prayer? The book of Acts is chock full of examples of going. Uh, they were faithful to what God asked them to do, and the Lord added to their number daily. Peter preaches his first sermon, and what happens? 3,000 people go, that's good news. That's good news. I want to be a part of that. Their prayer, their prayer wasn't focused on, Lord, increase our gathering. Lord, we've been through a lot, and there were some people that were following Jesus, but they all scattered, so bring those back into our fold. But instead, it was, Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. We're dependent on you. We can't do this without you. We need you. And what was the result? Kingdom expansion. And so that's my challenge for us. Over the coming weeks, we are going to focus in on, um, on a, a section of Scripture that has been... It's fun to look back and see how God, uh, you know, three years ago implanted this in my heart. Uh, I've worn this bracelet uh, for the past three-ish years, and it says a new thing. And it started as a really personal journey, and it's been fun to see how 
Uh, God has cultivated it to a really corporate experience, and I was able to take students through this experience. And as I look at where we're at now, it just seems to be uh, the perfect time and place for God to do a new thing. I don't want to preach next week's sermon, but I just believe we're going to see the impossible be done. We're going to see stuff that uh, two years ago we would have sat around and gone, man, that, probably, that person probably will never surrender to Jesus. It's just, out of the question, let's give up on them. And we're, and we're going to see God work in their heart and life. We're going to see things that we once thought were impossible happen. God's going to do a new thing among us. And so in the month of January, it works out really perfectly. Uh, we can kind of gather together and say uh, that through the pain, God's birthing something new. And then next week, I'm going to walk us through Isaiah 43. And then the subsequent weeks uh, of January, I've got uh, three other guys who are going to uh, encourage and challenge us from God's word. Uh, because I don't want this to be a new thing that's predicated on me standing up here and loudly banging a drum of, we're going to see God work, we're going to see God move. But I want this to be a really incarnational, corporate experience of us seeing and experiencing God move and work among us. So we're going to spend January focusing on prayer and repentance and seeing God uh, or seeking God so that both through our lives and through our church's life, we can see and experience God in new ways. And so next week, I'm going to cast a little bit of vision. I'm going to put up some boundaries for what this is going to look like. Uh, but today, uh, I, I just uh, I want us to spend some time doing uh, what the book, uh, what the church in Acts did. They devoted themselves constantly, constantly prayer, seeking God's face, saying, God, we are desperate. We are desperate for you. We're desperate for you. We can't do this without you. And I think that's the avenue that when we seek God that way, we're going to see him move in really, really incredible ways. We're going to see him move individually in our hearts, in our lives, and how we live. We're going to see him move corporately in the, the life of Connection Church, and we're going to see him move uh, as we all flow out into the sectors of society that we inhabit. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And yes, there's been pain, but on the other side, I just think God's going to redeem it with beauty. So God, we recognize that you are moving, that you have moved. We celebrate and remember your faithfulness. And we ask you to, to simply do it again. That whatever revival, move spirituality, whatever you're wanting to stir up, in and among us, uh, here and now, we submit ourselves to that. And we recognize that inside of that, there's a lot of unknowns, there's a lot of questions, but we recognize that you are faithful and you're good, so that we can trust in that when we, when we have those questions. Uh, and, and so we just ask that as we go, we'll uh, go from this place, remembering your presence, that presence will invade uh, our marriages, our relationships, our parenting, our uh, our occupations, that, Lord, your presence will invade every single area of our lives. And as a result, uh, Vermilion County, Illinois, Indiana, the world will be transformed because of the good news of the arrival of your kingdom. We recognize that we can't do this without you, so we surrender and submit ourselves to that. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. So as you go today, 
Go in the grace that uh, God has not stopped working. We'll continue to do so, and we'll see you next week.